0: Clay, this episode "Doctors' Orders" got me thinking about sleep because there's a lot of sleep going on in the episode. A lot of people conked out on their beds in awkward sleeping positions. Um, mm. <laughs> did you have? Um, I was just thinking about the the how my sleep patterns have uh, changed and how like sleep is just so unconstant as something in your life. When I was a kid, my parents used to always kick down the door screaming at me to get up after like nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I was, mm-hmm. I was always infuriated by that. I was always like, why can't they let me sleep? Then I went to college and wasted my life sleeping until like two o'clock in the afternoon occasionally. Oof. Yeah. Um, and then I'm now a parent and I I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and the kids are up at that time and I can't wait until they start sleeping in and I kick down their door and say, get the fuck up. It's time to start doing stuff. <laughs> um, well, you
1: just got to put a lock on the door that locks from the outside. And yeah. Solve all problems. <laughs> Just shake the handle, ang- uh, shake
0: the doorknob angrily. But it's it's remarkably inconsistent. And stuff like that. I guess that's all I really have to say about it. But I don't know if you have any uh, sleep insights or, or any 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 greatest time of your life where you were sleeping the exact right amount or anything like that.
1: No, I um, my sleep patterns have been fairly similar for most of my life, uh, aside from you know college when I had to get up uh for early class um i i my i'm 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 very much a night owl for whatever reason i i just prefer the nighttime more than the daytime and i'm terrible getting up early and uh i've never been able to switch like i've tried many times to switch and get up at a quote-unquote reasonable time but it never works uh so i'm consistently going to bed at three and getting up at like uh, 10 10 i think it's usually what it is because it's, it's usually a solid seven but do you sleep through the night oh yeah no problem oh okay yeah. I have I've, a, I've never had a problem with that
0: i have a friend who mm-hmm. is an extreme night owl and I used to, I shared a room with him in college. He would get up constantly throughout the night. I, I think it's like I was almost like seeking medical help for him because of how obnoxious it was, but it's like he <laughs> he he goes to bed extremely late, wakes up all the time, and has like... I never really understand people who tell me they have trouble sleeping outside of like if they're going through an extremely difficult time or something, you know, mm-hmm, but like, mm-hmm. I, like if you're stressed, it's one thing. But uh, people who just are like, yeah, I can't fall asleep, so I went downstairs and... Watched a movie or something like that. That is completely not anything that I've ever done in my life. Once I'm asleep, I'm asleep until the morning comes, unless the, a kid comes in or something like that. But
1: yeah, I've I've developed um, the one thing that has changed is as I've gotten older, it's for whatever reason become more difficult for me to get back to sleep. So uh, I used to be able to fall asleep anywhere at the drop of a hat, whenever I felt like taking a nap or whatever. But now, if if I like uh, the Last weekend, actually, I fell asleep on the couch watching TV, and then I woke up at 2.30, maybe 3 o'clock. I think I probably fell asleep around 1. And then I... In the afternoon? No, at night. Oh, at at night. night. Okay. So I fell asleep watching TV at around like 1 in the morning, and then I got up and you know brushed my teeth to go to sleep, and then I just could not fall back asleep. And I laid tossing and turning for about an hour, and then I just got up and played Mad Max for, for like three hours <laughs> until about nine o'clock. And then I when I went back and I went to sleep till about noon. Yep. So it's like for some reason, if I wake up, then it's it's a total crapshoot whether or not I get back to sleep. But if yep. once I'm asleep, it's like I'm, I'm good.
0: <laughs> the episode is called Doctor's Orders. We're going to take a break. We'll play a clip from riveting,
1: it. Riveting, riveting episode, as you can <laughs> probably <laughs> surmise based on the... Pre show conversation we are having that was um that was a lack of preparation on
0: my part. I usually have a note about something to talk about. I have a lot to say about doctor 's orders, so let 's take a break we 'll play a clip from the episode and then we 'll come back and we 'll break it down.
1: The cities are quite crowded by choice, not by necessity. The atmosphere is vibrant, communal. It sounds fascinating what i 'm saying is that we're a sociable people, being alone on enterprise, just the two of us has proven more stressful than I imagined. <laughs> Two people aren't even enough for a denobile in marriage, a proper one anyway.
0: Doctor's Orders is the 16th episode of the third season, came out of Star Trek Enterprise, came out on February 18th, 2004. It is 17 of 28 in the Zindi Crisis arc. It is, I've never said this before, this is the 696th piece
1: of star trek produced out of 801 (laughs) written by chris black that's like that's such a random number that's like the simpsons 314th episode spectacular Uh, or whatever it was (laughs) at least that's pie you can go with that this is 17
0: (laughs) out of 28 in the zindi crisis written by written by chris black directed by roxanne dawson uh, in Universe State, specifically not known. It's twenty one fifty four. In this episode, in order to traverse a transdimensional disturbance safely, that's a sentence. flox must put the rest <laughs> of the crew in stasis and pilot Enterprise himself. Um, interested w- to see what you had to say about this one. I, um, I felt great. How do I describe what I felt about this episode? I felt that this episode had so much potential. And I was mm-hmm. so let down by it by the end, I guess, that it kind of evened out into an average episode for me. But I, um, I thought that – I, I, I guess a good way to start this is that I think the fundamental flaw of Doctor's Orders is a problem that we've had with Enterprise for a long time is that it's an episode that's not really about anything and Enterprise Mm -hmm. tends to not really do anything about things. But at the same time, it also doesn't play really fair and true with a hard sci-fi concept at the same time. So it ends up in this weird wishy-washy space where I wish they had gone either direction, and it would have been better, but they went right down the middle, and the episode ended up right down the middle.
1: Yeah, um, I didn't particularly care for this. I, I think for a lot of the reasons that you're saying, I, I found it pretty boring. It seemed like it could be an interesting setup, but they didn't really do anything interesting with it. and I you know I, I could see all the turns coming a mile away. Um, and every every turn that they gave you though was just a complete fabrication. Yeah, There was no it wasn't born of any story that was being told. It was just a total we need to throw a wrench into the mix here. Let's just make something up. Like whether it's uh well,
0: Let's start at the beginning with this one, right? Like Sure. I I was wondering if I needed to watch this episode again because I felt the same that I was going like all these twists are not being earned that they're giving me. So it's annoying me. For instance, I think it starts at the start with to to Paul is not never mentioned that she's going to be staying awake with him, right? Before he sees her in the ship. I don't think so. That drove me bananas because as soon as she shows up and he has not mentioned her, I go, oh, she's a fabrication at this mm-hmm. point. You know, like there's mm-hmm. no, they didn't lay any kind of tricky groundwork to make you go like, yeah, it's normal that Paul would be walking around at this point and to, maybe slowly ease you into thinking the things are weird with her or something like that. It's just, mm-hmm. he's like, what the hell? What was that noise? What was that noise? And then Tapal shows up and he never goes, oh, of course, it was Depaul, the, the other person who's awake on this ship with me currently. You know, it just, had, it had weird moments like that where I think it, it betrayed itself in some ways. It was like mm-hmm. trying to be too clever by half and it ended up, exposing its hand because it was trying to make it seem like there was something mysterious going on
1: yeah I you know the the Paul thing was kind of interesting because I actually didn't think it didn't work I know that's a double negative but it, because they do kind of give it to you as a bit of a surprise that she's also there and you know I don't I it didn't it didn't super stand out to me as they were cheating or anything at that point, but then as it was going on, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, she's clearly... Because I don't think... I think at the point where she shows up, there had been no establishing that Denobulans sometimes hallucinate or whatever. No. Uh, when they don't have enough friends around or, right. or whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so so I think, at least, at least from a structural standpoint, I, I don't think it's... Um, Beyond the pale to assume that maybe she might be real, Uh, even though Flocks
0: does not bring
1: her up at that point. He doesn't he bring her up in in the letter that he's writing to his friend. I can't. Does he? If if he
0: does, I uh, if he does, my entire point is wrong. I was just. But when he's reacting to her being there, he's like chasing a noise, and he doesn't Mm -hmm. call to Paul to say, "Where are you?" To Paul at
1: this point, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a little bit. dirty pool I think because you'd think if he would call to Paul but the reason he's not calling to Paul is because he can't because if he does then that gives away the twist that they're that right. gives away like the next so it's like a it's a very it's a very manufactured writerly thing like yes. he's not he's not doing something that he should be doing because if he does that then it ruins the plot or it ruins the moment the, the, the um, moment
0: yeah the scene yeah. of the reveal right
1: yeah and I think that that just runs through the whole episode especially when you get to the end and you've get this reveal when you get the reveal that it that she is actually a hallucination it just makes me go then what what was the point of any of the, this and any of the conversations that they had if it was if there was no actual character stuff going on it's just him talking to a figment of his imagination i don't know
0: i i actually had a weird reaction to the end because when I saw to Paul, the minute I saw her in this thing that he has not said anything about her, I go, "Oh, she's fake." Then she starts acting crazy too, mm-hmm. which they try to pass off as it's because of she's going through the cloud in the same way that he is, and it's affecting her. And I was like, "I don't, I don't buy this really. Like mm-hmm. this doesn't yeah. seem strong enough that this is a reason that this is happening." And then at the very end, they when. He and T'Pol are waking people up and he's like, oh, uh, and she's joining him in a walk through the hallway. It's There's like a minute left in the episode. And I go, oh, my God, I was actually wrong about this episode. Like she was with him does this change my entire perspective on this episode, that this is actually a real T'Paul and Phlox adventure? And then he goes mm-hmm. into a room and sees her, and she disappears, and the episode ends. I was like, oh, fuck it. Nope, never mind. Like The they episode have, didn't even twist it at the very end on me.
1: After everybody wakes up, they have a scene in the mess hall together where she tells him that he did a good job and that Trip said that he did a great job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> So, like i guess the the other thing that i that i was trying to figure out based on all of this is did any of that stuff happen at all it's like, unclear he, unclear because, whether or not this happened because that's the that's the other thing that felt like an egregious writerly finger on the scale was when all of a sudden the sensors are wrong and he has to figure out how to start the the warp core like if if he's if he's having a psychotic break <laughs> and trying to figure out how to boost up the 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 warp core when they don't actually have to do that yeah the atomic reactor nobody...
0: he's fiddling with a nuclear reactor at a scale that no one has ever conceived of before too yeah
1: yeah and and if they don't like th- there's no comment on whether or not the readings that he saw were part of his hallucina- hallucination or not or whether or not anything that he did to the reactor and jumpstarting everything and, and getting them out of the trouble they were in was real.
0: They do say that because there's a line that T'Pol says Trip has to recalibrate all the work that he had done to the engine. But, so,
1: that's, but that's ghost T'Pol. N- oh, is, that's before the end luncheon? Do they not? Is the is the scene at the end where they talk to each other in the mess hall? Did that actually happen, or is that that
0: that actually happens because Ghost oh, DePaul it disappears before that happens? Yeah.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, that's my mistake then, because I thought I thought uh, I thought him seeing Ghost him seeing Sleeping DePaul I thought was the last scene. But I'm I guess pretty I'm sure I have to
0: check this on memory alpha now at this point. So yes, the very final scene is he joins DePaul at a table in the mess hall. So she's okay, awake. Never mind, at, she's awake at that I, point.
1: Take take back what I said about that. But okay, so that means that means that the 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 engine room stuff all did actually happen. Yeah, so the he was sensors in there whacking. Were actually wrong.
0: <laughs> he was whacking away with a hammer on this thing. Well, and I mean, but it doesn't answer did the expanse actually get bigger and he needed to do that? You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I
1: guess, I, I guess. Otherwise, why else did he do it? I don't know. I, it's, it's, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's not, it's very, uh, it's a very contrived thing kind of from start to finish.
0: Well, that's what I mean about the fact that, so the episode doesn't want to do a Phlox character piece, right? It doesn't want to Mm -hmm. do a what Phlox actually thinks when he's alone and stuff like that. They kind of touch on it, but it's not really the point of the episode. They don't do what I would have really loved and was really... My favorite part of this episode was I hope they did it as a genre horror exercise because I loved all those moments in this one. Mm -hmm. What they also didn't do is once they abandoned the character work, they didn't turn it into a firm sci-fi problem that Phlox has to fix. You know? right? Like there's no... There's no. How do we write a script where Flocks, the person who doesn't know what he's doing, is the only person who can do anything on this ship? They don't do that because they kind of mix it with his hallucinations and they turn it into this. Is this really happening? Like, what's the point of this? Is mm-hmm. is there even a problem in this in this uh, situation? So it dodges virtually every angle I would have gone with the script and instead settles on Flocks and Paul kind of freak out with each other. And we'll intersperse it with scenes of deep, like, unsettling horror. Because my favorite aspect of this episode is f- being alone on a ship where everyone else is asleep is mm. terrific. I, like, really like that idea. And...
1: <laughs> and I don't, That
0: just makes a lot of sense to me. I'm not sure And I mean. <laughs> when... And they, even when they start doing hallucinations, I love the Hoshi in the shower scene.
1: Yeah, that was good. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like, I love all that stuff like that. I wish they had done more of that. And they don't. And we've said before that Enterprise does creepy and horror really well for out of all the Mm -hmm. Star Treks. It probably doesn't the best. It just... It just ended up in a bad place. I don't know if you would have preferred a flock story if you wanted a hard sci-fi, or if you you thought the other third wheel was the better way to go. But like, would you agree that it was just a, a problem of choosing a direction, or do you think it's more fundamentally broken than that as an idea for a script?
1: Um, you know, I I, I don't I'm not sure. I because I because I like my favorite part of the episode was actually when he and T'Pol are both kind of losing it, and they they both get to ham it up a little bit um and i wasn't i wasn't totally buying the this the, the I, th- I thought the hoshi scene was good but like yeah it wasn't really in service of anything uh like same with the, the zindi the, the insectoid when yeah he walks the zindi thing yeah. i wasn't even sure if they had actually have they actually visually encountered the insectoid zindi at this point oh I don't that's a good remember. question i don't know yeah but like the Hoshi scene made sense because that that hallucination he was having was born of this thing they've been talking about the whole episode, where if if the if the people wake up, they're gonna explode or something in in a in a day or whatever. Yep. Um. So that that at least was born of of something from the episode, but they didn't expand. Like, yeah, it wasn't his space madness wasn't in service of of getting to know Flocks or what Phlox's fears are, or what Phlox's reservations are, yeah. or anything or, like or that. Or what he brings
0: to the crew in some
1: ways, like what his... Yeah. It, overco-
0: yeah. Overcoming the fear, what it reveals about him as a character.
1: Yeah, I think I think that would have been the better way to go. Um, and I don't even know if... I, I, I think... I honestly think... I, I probably would go that way and not go have the hard sci-fi thing that he has to get past because in that because ultimately like that kind of is the sci-fi problem at that point is this you know cloud of i don't know whatever shit they're flying through yeah. to, to get to the other side Pink like guess. how much do you yeah like like that uh, that probably is enough i i also think i would probably remove to paul i think it would it, if it's just if it's just flocks then you can get a little more, bit more of that, like Evil Dead Two. It's just Ash in the house trying to deal with the crazy shit that's happening. Yeah, I'd hundred percent remove
0: to Paul from the, I think to Paul yeah. kind of yeah. kills what anything that they're doing in this one.
1: Yeah, and I that's the thing. I don't think they're really doing much of anything. It's just kind of like doing a bunch of disparate elements that are all kind of fun in their own way, but not really of service to much as a whole.
0: Yeah, and in that way, I think it's a pretty stock Enterprise episode where it doesn't have a... It feels more like a script had to be written and had to come in, and this is what came in instead of sort of an idea that leads to a script is the way that I feel a lot of Enterprise things come from, whether it's a time crunch or just a production or something. They, They never come from a place of... Oh, I can see where the genesis of this idea came from, and the episode builds around it. It's more like you have a script where you constantly come up with different ideas as you're writing it against the clock, and you're like, "Oh, I'll, right. I'll add this in now, and then I'll do this," and it, at least it's really unsatisfying feeling at the end of it.
1: Yeah, I think I think the mistake that they make is if this is gonna if T'Pol's gonna be in this, she has to be real, yes. because if she's not real, then any interaction that they have is meaningless in the end. Like it's not, there's no revelation from Flocks that to the projection of Tapal is him somehow talking to himself about things. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing, there's nothing in there. It's just a gag. And if you really, and at the end, it's not worth anything because it's not like he's like learned anything new or changed or anything by yeah. by talking to Ghost to Paul here. Yeah. So if, well, if I could you're argue, he have could
0: have. Sorry, he, I I would say that he could have learned something if he learned that to Paul was a hallucination at the peak of his hallucinating. You know what I mean? Like sure, sure. If if he. If he came to a realization that the way T'Pol is cracking up is a reflection of his own psyche at that point, maybe you can do something, but he literally learns it right at the end of the episode when it's meaningless. Right, right.
1: And so if you want to have the two of them actually interacting with each other in the way that they're doing here, I think that she needs to be real because then you have these two... And it Because then you've got this kind of spiritual sequel to the to the pon far episode right where yep. it's yep. where it's to paul in uh in the sexy chamber with uh the the glitter chamber with with uh trying to ride out Ponfar far with with phlox <laughs> helping her helping her through it yeah and having those having that sort of mirror where she kind of the the tables are kind of turned now i think would be would have been a nice way to go because he's always so um composed that having somebody else there help him through uh so having to paul there to help him through something that she can relate to even though maybe they don't relate to each other on like a base species level or whatever right. i think yeah. there's there's more in there uh uh that's kind of interesting and also plus like if she's a ghost I, I was i was watching this go like before i was 100 percent sure. like i i knew she was there was i knew there was something coming at the end about halfway through i'm like she has to be a ghost there, there's no other way the reason they're playing this the way they are but one of the things i kept asking saying was like why why do they keep splitting up if she just hangs around with him anytime he has a hallucination she can say that's not real right so, but right. she can't do that because she's also a hallucination which again is a writerly construct to avoid these like common sense situations. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. What? It's it's got that horror thing of just separating. And again, if she always shows up post hallucination, which is fitting for Phlox's hallucinations. But yeah, I would agree that um, I I think my my pinnacle idea for an episode like this would be Phlox by himself. I I completely understand why Paul is in this episode because otherwise Phlox, they'd have to come up with a way where Phlox is talking to himself about literally everything that he's
1: doing. Well, I mean, they they already did. I mean, he's, he's, he's doing that letter. Composing the letter. Yeah. It would have been unbearable to have the whole thing. Well, but he's also hallucinating crew members. So it's not like he can't have anybody to interact with. You know, he's still hallucinating Archer. He's still hallucinating trip. Oh, but I think,
0: you mean he would be recognizing that he's hallucinating? Because I I like the idea of him being completely solitary while everyone else is asleep. You're you're saying that he would have the hallucinations and talk to those people
1: as a get out of jail card for that? Yeah, I think that probably makes the most sense because if it's just if it's just him. Well, in your situation, what would he be doing, I guess, for the whole episode? That, that's where I'm saying that they can't do it. And that's
0: why T'Pol exists, because T'Pol adds someone for him to talk to and to kill time and create a, a... You could still have the sci-fi problem for Phlox, I suppose. Or I thought that there is a way to do it if it's a, an alien species that's not the Zindi get on the ship or something like that, which they've done a mm-hmm. few times, I guess. So maybe they don't want to do that again. Uh, I just, I guess this is all really stemming from the fact that I liked Flocks by himself being scared of the noises in the ship. Sure, like I, sure. I, I was, I, I wish that they had built something around that. Be it some sort of alien is doing something eventually, or something goes wrong with the ship and he has to technically fix it and he's not prepared for it. Instead, they have to put Depaul in there because they have to have them talk to get through that stuff. And I think that. Like, I was even hyper-aware of the fact that the enter- this Enterprise ship doesn't have a computer that people can talk to. Yeah, it's too right, early for that. Right. That would be the way that it would work in a, in a, a post-this-timeline t- series and stuff. I, I don't really have anything... I don't have an idea about how to fix it. I just... I liked those moments, and to Paul's obviousness to me ruined it. And I also hated Blalock's performance in this, and I... It just every scene she was in i just felt was getting worse and worse even when they're supposed to be sharing meals and sharing like uh sort of bonding or something i didn't buy any of it because i knew she was fake at that point so it didn't Mm -hmm. it didn't mean anything and it was kind of a letdown
1: yeah okay so i think the difference in our two takes is in your version he's not hallucinating at all right okay that's the difference okay yeah I'm saying I'm I'm saying in mind he would still be hallucinating he would still be kind of going crazy but it would it it would to Paul wouldn't be there as like a, a, a like a, a twist it a would con- just be a more, constant yeah sure yeah it would be cuz I I like the idea actually of of this weird I mean even though it's a complete you know pull it out of your ass kind of story mechanic but i kind of like this idea of that if he's not around people he starts to go crazy because you know especially after a year of being locked up in quarantine it's it's not entirely unrelatable yeah yeah um so and to 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 have that element where he is kind of losing it a bit and he is Hallucinating crew members and and talking to him in a way that he's afraid maybe that they think of him in real life, kinda of, like that kind of stuff. I think you can get a really interesting character study out of it. Yeah. Um without and I don't really think you need much more than I mean, yeah, you probably could probably still keep the warp core thing in there if you really wanted to, if you need the third act problem for him to solve or whatever. But um but, yeah, I think, I think there's more story there if it's just him by himself, whether it's the way you're saying or the way that I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I, I was struck by it's, um We were coming off of, oh, geez, I can't remember now, the episode that we just talked about that we liked the low uh, stakes of, what the hell was it, uh, where they're just traveling. The first episode where they're just traveling somewhere. I can't remember what the episode oh, was. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, the one where uh, where they sleep together. Yeah, Harbinger. Yes. Harb- yes, Harbinger.
0: Yeah. Have I not
1: edited that yet? I guess not. I but- don't know. Literally, literally the last episode <laughs> we did. <I> <laughs> yeah, so hopefully I saved that. Although off. that was, that was at this point, it was a week ago because we didn't do one on Friday.
0: So. Yes, yeah, that's right. So uh, Harbinger. We liked that one just because uh, we talked about the... It was relatively low stakes. It was about getting to know the crew. And I think that... Your idea for flocks works here if it's a if it's less of a problem driven thing and more of a reveal something about flocks idea I would agree that it's probably better for this series I was struck while watching this about the sci-fi problem still feels like you have to put it into these Star Trek episodes like this like mm-hmm. it's just it's not a series or a show or a franchise that's confident enough in its character work to have two back-to-back episodes where a character You learn something about the characters, you know, it's 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 kind of unfortunate in some ways. But you also see the um, the skeleton of the series and how I feel that I feel that Enterprise is the most structured of the Star Trek shows we've seen so far. It feels like they have a a final draft template that they hand out to all the writers and they fill the blanks Mm -hmm. in about how it works and this just this felt like that was really suffering from those issues of this is, this is how enterprise works damned if you do damned if you don't and don't try to change it too much
1: well they almost made a big character change and made came very close to making phlox the biggest villain in star trek history when he almost shoots porthos yes <laughs>
0: To Paul's line about you you almost shot the captain's dog did make me laugh, stuff like that. I I was sort of fantasizing about what if this he if he did shoot the dog. Or if the plot was just he shot the dog by accident while Archer was asleep and he had to spend the next few days thinking of an excuse to uh to say about why that happened.
1: He's he starts growing one of those trip clones, but it's for the dog. And then he has to euthanize the dog the clone dog. <laughs> the clone
0: dog to harvest its parts. Um I'll just I'll go back to what I what I did really like about this one, I I thought it was genuinely creepy in some parts. The noises where he's sitting and watching the movie is a very relatable. If you've ever, I'm sure everybody's been home at night watching TV and you hear something, you have to turn the TV down, and that's scary enough to turn the volume of whatever you're watching down to hear what a noise is in the
1: rest of the mm-hmm. house. I liked him. I. I wish they had him watching a horror movie.
0: Yeah, that would have made more sense. Although that Instead was quite a, a bit of dialogue from whatever that movie was that he was watching. Yeah,
1: it was a Dan, it, that was Danny Kay. I don't know what what movie it was though. It seemed to be like a Robin Hood send up or something. <laughs> um, but they did. He did mention The Exorcist, which I feel like has to be the most modern movie reference they've ever made on Star yeah. Trek. like yeah. full stop from the
0: seventies. Exorcist was yeah. the seventies, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, because uh, I've never I've never heard them make uh, references of any, well, outside of the, the Beastie Boys in uh, 2009 or sure, whatever. Sure. But before that, I've never seen them make references that specifically modern outside of, say, well, I mean, even in the ones where they go back in time, they don't really do it. I guess they did in, in part four. But, but like in the show, anytime they make these sorts of references to movies or whatever, it's always like stuff from the 30s yeah, is like as, as modern as they get yeah yeah yeah, yeah
0: it, archer's not gonna say that flocks uh, this plot of yours is some risky business just like our movie yeah. that we watched um
1: <laughs> i uh i wish they would do that and have somebody somebody go so it's like what the year 2000 or something have somebody say like you know it's really a shame i was watch. i was going back through the video files and man it's really a shame what happened to vin diesel don't you think <laughs> Vin Diesel, just, just a, a cold open tease is just Vin
0: Diesel, overrated, underrated. It's like, oh, it's, let's go review. I like the um him looking out the window and something moves and he runs away from it that you don't see. Wait, hold on.
1: Could is is the eugenic wars is that actually just the swing revival of the mid nineties? i would i would
0: think so you gotta is that how
1: is that how (laughs) reviled that period of history was at this point no one admits that
0: they were a part of the eugenics wars they just just, like i wasn't i wasn't into that i did not buy a zoom
1: suit or anything (laughs) about genetic manipulation and giant pants
0: (laughs) i like the horror stuff i like toshi's scene um amy came in like just for um Just in good timing, she came in for that Hoshi scene and legitimately frightened her. The makeup was great, and it was a good setup. It's a a psycho
1: setup, sort of, and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, but it's just kind of neat. When it started, I thought they were going the other way with it, and this was going to be, all right, all right, Brandon. Let's put put somebody in a shower. We got nothing happening on this show. We got to Let's put Hoshi in the shower, and Flocks can get all weird with her. It'll be great. And she's a ho- she's a hallucination. A na- hallucination. So she can be she can be as sexy as we want her to be.
0: <laughs> you think Rick stormed in after John Billingsley's nude scenes, going like, "What?
1: The- <laughs> what kind of show? Shut are we it down. From? Shut it down." <laughs>
0: <laughs> Manikoto immediately uh, promoted on the spot. That was um it was a very uh, Austin Powers stuff like but I is, was thinking that too it's yes. It's directed by um Roxanne Dawson. Uh Dawson continues to be a very strong visual yeah. director. She's really yeah, she's good, good. good in every episode. Every episode with her just it looks like they're doing stuff that they've never done before. That just that being the the most obvious example.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was that was uh I I mean, I I I, it, that's one of those things where I feel like if you're thinking about it, it's like, of course he's walking around naked on the ship. Right. Would you not? Yep. You would do it at least once just for the hell of it. It's a,
0: <laughs> it's it's funny. It was it was well shot. It's it's kind of funny. It's it's a little bit of a rip off. I re- I recognize the influence and stuff like that, but it does totally make sense for for flocks of all people too. It's not like it's Archer walking around in the nude. It's the uh, the hedonist Denobulan
1: walking around doing it. Um, I almost, I was eating breakfast while I was watching this. And when they did that, like long pan from him getting up uh, out of bed and like just focused on his disgusting feet, I, I had to, I actually had to look away from the television. <laughs> the, the
0: feet makeup is kind of pointless. We talked about that in the predator episode on Patreon about alien feet. Uh, Phlox would have been a good <laughs> example to bring up. Yes. Um, my last sort of point about this, no matter how I feel about the episode, a fairly effective cold open. Yes, where he, yeah. he just sees the dog and then he opens the door and Archer's knocked out on the the uh, the bed and Flox does not seem concerned about it. That's that's a mm-hmm. pretty good cold open. That's a, that's a good one for this show.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, it was because yeah, it was not. Uh, it wasn't the usual non sequitur kind of thing, or it, it had a little bit of non sequitur to it, but it was still very much of the story they were going to tell and was interesting enough to see Archer. In some sort of, you know, indisposed state, if yeah. you want to call it that, Flock's not being concerned that, is the key. I think Flux right, treating right.
0: it like it's normal is what uh, is what sells that idea. Yeah, um, but
1: yeah, it's it's weird. You don't really know what's going on. So it's it's for 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 one of those short cold opens that they do. Yeah, it was a pretty good one.
0: Anything else you have to say about this one? You. Um, Generally, seemed pretty mixed on it. I mean, this we talked about. There's not really even, even any reason to talk about the plot resolution to it. With the, I mean, I I agree with you. I'm not sure if any of this was necessary to happen. All the ending seems to imply that he did do something with the engines. Mm. Is that a good? I was that the right outcome for that, or would you have preferred a? Uh, all of this was in his head.
1: Uh, I would not have preferred all of it being in his head. But I think what would have been a nice addition is being unsure of whether or not it was in his head. Having Flocks having himself be unsure. So if he knows he's hallucinating by the end and he's trying to reconcile it and then shit start like the sensors start breaking and there's this thing that seems like he needs to jumpstart the warp core. For him to be legitimately unsure whether or not this is real, because if it's not, he could blow the ship up. Yeah. You know, something like that. Yeah. Which they don't, I don't think they do that at all. I think once the sensors start going off, it's pretty much like, oh, this is what we have to do, but we're not sure we can do it. I would have liked, I would have liked there to be more um, ambiguity and tension coming from whether or not this is actually something that should be done at all. Yeah. You know, like the, the usual thing when they do this stuff is like when somebody pulls a gun on somebody and and it's, you know, they're seeing it as Hans Gruber from Die Hard, but it's actually their sister or something, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. I would have, um, okay. I think ambiguity would have been good in this case. I, I really don't like the fact that they are sure that he tinkered with something. Mm -hmm. Um, that him tinkering with something makes it seem to me that there was actually a problem that he needed to solve, even though I think that that's less clear that there was a real issue that he did anything because everyone's congratulating him on the tinkering that he did or the job that he did, right? So it seems like he actually had to do something. And Hmm. I guess the final point, which is kind of a tie into that, we haven't really touched on it, is to Paul, is there any viewing of this where to Paul? represents something other than a plot mechanic to cause Flux to give Flux someone to talk to and to freak out with him at the same time because I was honestly annoyed like I knew she was fake at that time but when Flux starts talking about like how do I do the warp core reaction she's like I don't know it's like you're the <laughs> you're the Vulcan who like invented warp I don't, this should be like uh, changing the gas in your car, I would assume. So I was, I was annoyed that they were playing the anomaly stuff, making her stupid or something. Like she was unable to control her emotions, and therefore she also didn't know how to fix the problem that she should be able to fix. It, it struck me as mm-hmm. weird. I know she's not the engineer or whatever, but she's the she's the Vulcan science guy who got sent along with them because she knows everything about all this stuff. It was strange to me, and
1: I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, she's also not real, so in the, in some, the
0: episode or like in reality of like no, Oh, in in the episode. Okay. I mean like
1: yeah. the the po- uh, she, she that character who's acting that way is in fact not a a real manifest. It's not a real person. Right, but so, it, I guess
0: what I'm saying is what's the purpose of her being there right, other than right. to annoy me through that scene? Like does she represent yeah. something in flocks, I guess?
1: I I don't think she can unless you know that she does, if that makes sense? Like I think I think you have to if you're going to go that route, I think it, it has to be not a secret that she or it, it's, it either has to be not a secret that she's halluc- a hallucination or you have to at least learn it earlier. So that way he can, there's a little bit of or, or just or have him talk about it at the end or something when he's finishing up his his letter or something like that. I think I think it's possible. Yeah. But they don't ever address it uh, uh, directly or indirectly. Um, so I, it's, it doesn't come off as anything more than just having, having fun messing with, with, uh, the the audience. I I
0: guess my, I guess the way that I was conceiving it would be that in order for her to reflect something about him, you would think that they would have to work together to solve the problem. And then Mm Flox, once he realizes that she's a hallucination or maybe before that, realizes that what he was putting onto her that helped solve the problem is something that he has within him, right? So my problem with it is that to Paul becomes a ninny and it doesn't show you anything about what Phlox thinks. It it just shows like all she does is a reflection of him being scared, which I know he's scared because the real Phlox is scared at this point. So Mm -hmm. I don't need her copying him. I need her to be some sort of, even if you, even if she acted more like normal to Paul, right, and then at the end when it's revealed that she's a hallucination, Flocks goes, "Oh, I guess I have a little bit of Vulcan in me too, in some ways. Sure. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm that kind of a person as well, and I'm able, I'm competent and able to do things, but they don't do that. I find, I find that to be the most egregious mistake that they made in terms of the character work that they did here.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to read it as anything other than just being silly with to Paul because they don't address whether or not it is supposed to be i mean I'm, you, know, you don't have to spell everything out but they don't even like it, attempt to suggest any of that you right know? yeah so it's it's difficult to criticize that they didn't do it well enough when they it, it didn't seem like they were doing it at all sure
0: so. yeah yeah all right let's take a break we'll play another clip from the episode we'll come back read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about doctor's orders the intermix is stable A warp field is
1: forming. (laughs) What's wrong? I, I, I don't know. I followed the procedures exactly. What did I do wrong? You need to... What? What, Paul, help me? Is it
0: the particle confinement? Perhaps you should increase. it. Well, how do I do that? Thank you very much for listening to the show today. We caught, co- we talked, we, we talked about Doctor's Orders. It's the, what was it? The 16th episode? We're almost done with the third season of Star Trek Enterprise. Thank you very much for listening to the show. Thank you for supporting the show. You can support How many the show. we got left? There are, uh-oh, let me go here. In this season, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 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 Which is no, more okay. than I, I thought there were, but it, I'm sure it'll go pretty fast. Um, how are there 24? Are there 24 episodes in this season? This seems like a lot. I think my math is okay, but I think we have eight episodes left. Um, Patreon.com/slash/LepinskiVal is the best way to support the show. A couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff. We have extra podcasts, There's extra streams. There are polls to vote on what we talk about. We're covering Battlestar Galactica this month, or it's already out. Maybe by the time this episode comes out. Once I edit Harbinger. Um, and I guess that's uh, that's it. Patreon.com slash Lipensky file. And as always, we give a special thank you to our Captain Tier supporters. Who I have scrolled past and now they are back. Special thank you goes to Tark Latif, Samuel Custer, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Andrew Cholog, Matthew Ross, Michael Pond, Matt Cutler, Christian Pouch, Nick Sergey, Cardinal Doomsday, Grim Santo, Sean, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Kevin Reyes, Vault 13 Hero, Jordan Cooper, Darth Mosk, Russell Elge, HH28, Stephen Minton, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Point Extra G, Patrick But Dave Davies, Johnny Franceschi, Mike Harris, Captain Brazen, Eric San Juan, Gamer, Kevin Lowry, Corey Martin, Nick the Rat, Matt Houston, William Scheisler, Rahan Jaffer, Grapple, John Zorn, Soil and Blue, Zane Majors, Olivier Pardieu, Retail, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunters, EWNF Remixes, Captain Munchausen, James McLennan, Beal, and Jonas Lokai, and Two Mix Must Die. Thank you very much for supporting the show. We dropped below the Voyager thing again, uh, but we'll be, well, I'm you sure we'll be making it back by the time un- we get there.
1: Grateful bastard.
0: <laughs> it's going to be a seesaw journey, uh, passing that $900 line that gives us a full unbridled More? Voyager.
1: More exciting than the stock market over here.
0: Yeah, you see that ProPublica report to date this podcast. <laughs> apparently, I, you don't pay taxes on capital gains. Who would have thought? It was apparently it was big news on Twitter, and everyone was wondering why ProPublica thought that it was newsworthy. But there we go. Got to got to write about something. I yeah, guess. you don't pay taxes on capital gains. It's shocking. You don't pay taxes on the your house going up in value either. So who knows. Um, We're done with this one. Patron comments. Thank you very much to our patrons who support us and leave comments. We're going to go to the first one. Matt Ross says, Doctor's Orders, a book by Diane Duane, where McCoy is captain of the Enterprise and has later changed into Crusher, commanding the Enterprise D in the episode Descent. Here it's another out of place story, more similar to Singularity in season two, and again the Voyager episode one. I get the impression that this terror at twenty thousand feet redux shows how thin the story, uh, uh, the Zindi story, actually is, needing another filler. T'Pol being a figment of Flox's imagination was not a surprise to me when I first saw this originally. What is a surprise is that the warp engine instructions are twenty feet away from the consoles, the controls, Sorry, three purple clouds out of five. That
1: that was I did think that was really funny when he when T'Pol said something like. Uh, you know, overly technical. And he's like, you th- your suggestion is I read the instruction manual? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was good. I like that. He's, he's,
0: and he actually does. Gives us some incredibly hmm. technical manual stuff. Colonel Doomsday says, Doctor's orders, Phlox and T'Pol are the only crew members left conscious when the Enterprise has to go through a dangerous anomaly. Another Enterprise tries to be spooky episode, which was done similarly in Voyagers 1. I want to like this episode, but watching Phlox and T'Pol bicker gets tiresome. I'm giving this an extra point because of the scene from The Court Jester. What scene is that? I don't know. Oh, that
1: must be that must be the Danny Kaye
0: movie. Oh, the movie, sure. 3 disfigured Hoshi's out
1: of 5. You know, you know what I might do to change this up? What's that? I would I would have
0: I thought you were talking him, about the podcast, not the F- Yeah, <laughs> the episode. well, let's
1: just let's just take a break in the middle and just do <laughs> a little bit of uh, you know, troubleshooting here and and see how we can shake things up. Um I I would have I would start down the road of the hallucinations thing. Um, But before it gets to kind of kind of the way that they do as it is. But what I would do differently is I would have one of the crew members, quote unquote, wake up. Let's say Mayweather. And so now Phlox has to deal with the fact that there actually is a crew member uh, who is awake during this thing and then has to work with, and, you know, they can have their, you know, talking scenes. And the thing is that Mayweather is now awake in this thing that he's not supposed to be awake in, and so he's dying. Right. and has so has to
0: take care of him at the same time.
1: Yeah, so, but there is some sort of, like, thing that they're racing against, and he's going, he's he's having his hallucinations, but they, they also need to fix this problem. But Mayweather is also dying, and before they get to the climactic point, Mayweather actually dies sure so then at that point flocks has to uh take take the things that he's learned from this pat this episode talking with mayweather and use it to move past all of the uh mental anguish and stress of these hallucinations in order to fix the problem only to find out that mayweather himself was a hallucination so Gotcha. He's still alive. He was just sleeping the whole time. But it just gives it a little bit more z- – like it does something interesting with the concept where it's like if somebody wakes up, they're going to die. Right. And so now you have this kind of back and forth, and you can actually kill him off and give him an interesting death scene and then pull it back at the end and have um, Phlox be like overjoyed to see Mayweather, but Mayweather's like, hey, uh, what's going on here, Phlox? Uh, we- <laughs> we don't we don't talk that often because I'm not really in the show that much I, uh, ex- well actually, no, we talk all the time because i'm constantly hurt but <laughs> you, but you know what I mean like s- something something like that where instead of instead of taking to Paul and just doing this contrived thing to make her into like a goof because of space clouds, yeah, actually take the setup, use the setup, do something interesting you know g- g- get people or or maybe he maybe mayweather doesn't wake up on his own maybe flocks wakes him up he you know what i mean yeah so he needs he him can't for do, some reason yeah, yeah he can't do what he has to do on his own so he has to wake mayweather up he knows that because they were talking about it the whole episode saying like every single crew member said to flocks if you need me wake me up i'd rather die than enterprise blow up they mentioned it like five times yep So, actually, do that. Have Flocks, or at least make it look like that's what he's doing. Have Flocks have to wake up Mayweather, deal with this problem, but Mayweather's dying. Actually, have Mayweather die. And so, you can, you know, you're playing with stuff here that has a little bit more weight to it that you can kind of get more drama out of instead of just, you know, sitting around having lunch with T'Paul. And then she gets kind of, she starts shaking like a dog in a thunderstorm at the end.
0: Yeah, I, I like that idea because I think that it, it gives it a good reason for it to be flocks because it's a medical issue at that point. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a um, Hippocratic Oath breaking going on there where sure. if he yeah. wakes him up and then lets him die, he, or if he can't tend to Mayweather or something and Mayweather dies, it's a sort of violation of the, his oath as a doctor because he did the patient harm, right? And and right. at the expense of the Star Trek moral of he saves the ship, but Mayweather dies. It also, it, as you say, it does give it a good oomph to you can have a death scene and actually call it back and reset it at that point. Yeah. And Flocks and yeah. will learn something from that event. Uh, but mostly I like it because in the nude scene with the two of them, Flocks can point at Mayweather himself
1: and say, twins. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's going to be a nude scene with both of them in this in this version well, how can how
0: can we not have how can we not have a chris farley and patrick swayze ask uh,
1: chippendale sketch with the two <laughs> with the two of them but i do like your idea I, uh, mayweather i'm i i i just i just needed to know and i didn't want to just pick up open your suit it would be <laughs> well beyond my ethics to do this while you're asleep so I had to wake you up.
0: <laughs> I do like your idea, though. I think that pretty much fixes everything while keeping the general idea um, intact.
1: A the, the, I'm I'm a little bit surprised they didn't do something like that, because of especially that scene where they have with Trip. But you can't do it with Trip, because they literally just killed him off, kind of, two episodes ago or whatever.
0: Yeah, I, I like Mayweather, because he hasn't done anything. and um, And
1: it's also... A solid payoff of an in-joke of him constantly being hurt and possibly dead.
0: Yes. (laughs) This will be the time that you actually have to go. A latte librarian says, Doctor's orders, after a year of pandemic lockdown, I can relate to Flux much more than I probably would have before, though I didn't try to shoot my dog at least. Three hallucinations out of five. No, you shoot somebody else's dog. Royo says, a near-carbon copy of Voyager's one episode which involved the crew in stasis while well, Seven has to shepherd the ship through a dangerous patch of space while descending into madness. While not original, narrowing the story to just being about Phlox and his inner thoughts keep the, keeps the episode interesting, and thankfully, Phlox isn't denying cures to those who genetics he doesn't seem to like this time. It's a run-of-the-mill Star Trek episode, but for Enterprise, it's well above average for the show. One thing I'm realizing in retrospect is rewatching the show is how terribly forgettable all the action schlock is. When an episode like this comes along that has no action and there's nothing terribly wrong with the writing, I find it to be holding my attention much better. 3.5 out of 5.
1: That that actually that is a good point because I feel like I don't know if we've ever explicitly said all of that in one sentence, but I feel like we've touched on it quite a bit this season especially. Which part, the action trope? The the fact the fact that the action stuff feels so stock yeah but this but when so when they don't do that it it makes the episode stand out that much more
0: it really does um it's a part of the enterprise template fourth uh fourth act action scene is like just written into a lot of star trek episodes i i feel they've been doing it much i would i would just from like the my memory of the first two seasons it feels like they never did that like, I, I don't really remember maybe Dear Doctor or something. I'm sure it did happen, but the first two episodes to me just felt like they were endless action sequences in every single episode. This season does feel different, that they haven't done that as much. They still do it, but not as much.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing how you have to dial back on how many uh, people that you shoot when you're flying through an area with no people. Right, yeah. Just, <laughs> we we got to find some people to shoot. They did have That's the, why that's why i that's why i didn't really like like you know i wasn't really into the oh there's something on the ship stuff sure like the 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 execution of it was fine but i was like fuck i don't want flocks running around trying to shoot a space bug or something you know what i mean like it's i don't find that interesting i'm much more interested in 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 what's going on with him going crazy and stuff yeah i'd agree
0: i would i would walk back my desire to have aliens on the ship i I was mostly saying that is he needs he needed something to do, really. Um, yeah. And I, I do prefer your Mayweather or whoever idea to it. But um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't want him. It would just be another acquisition episode where the Ferengi came on in the first season and took the ship over or whatever. And I, I don't need to see any more of that. Uh, Cal Barrett says, Doctor's orders, Wow, those dangerous areas of space have been quickly nerfed from nothing from our universe can survive inside this disturbance to flocks and dogs are immune to its effects. (laughs) I enjoy this one because it focuses on my two favorite characters in the show, Flocks and Porthos, but ultimately feels totally useless. Instead of being the mouthpiece of ethical issues or classic Trek enthusiasm like in episodes past... Flox walks around lamenting how much he misses Denobulan orgies and bearing everything but his big blue dick. Hallucinations like Dreams or coma should give us greater insight into the characters, but we didn't learn anything new about Phlox in this episode, and the hallucinations are supposed to be the healthy way to relieve stress for Denobulans,
1: but they clearly do the opposite. 2.9 out of 5. I'm a little surprised. I assume that Kyle would have really enjoyed that aspect of the show. <laughs>
0: Nick the Rat says, my favorite part of the episode is Blaylock's faces. Do you think Philip Flocks put in his uh, report that he was hallucinating or that he walks around naked in his office? His Kyle might knock over a beaker if he's not careful. I wonder if the expanse was actually growing or if it was all in his head. This episode really pushes the Zindi story forward or was I just imagining that? Good stuff. Three out of five. And the final comment, Point Extra G says, doctor's orders, would it have been better to not cue us off early that something was going on with Tapal? Her sudden appearance at the beginning tips us that there's something going on, and it keeps the episode from successfully pulling a sixth sense. As it is, this is still a really great episode. Anytime they put Flocks in the limelight, he shines. Thank you, patrons, for leaving your thoughts and comments about that episode. If you guys want to leave your comments, come over to patreon.com slash the Penske A couple dollars a month, and you can leave comments, and we read them on the show. Mm. I think people, uh, we, we've... The comments have slowed down as we've moved toward the Zindi closure. I imagine they're going to pick up again once the uh, the final episodes kick in because it's all Zindi all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about? What are you going to give this
1: one on our scale, one to five, Clay? I I don't know because I now that I, the more I think about it, the more I'm really annoyed that the only thing they did with that "if you wake up in here, you're going to die" thing is that one scene with Hoshi, which was good, but. Again, it wasn't really in service of anything.
0: No. It was just a it you was know? the most it was the best executed hallucination that he had. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um I don't know, man. uh <clears throat> I feel like I'm I'm on the fence between a two and a three. I'm what what are you gonna do?
0: I'm gonna give it a three, I think. Yeah. I I think you liked this one less than me. I wasn't I wasn't bored during this episode. And I think its biggest failures are it doesn't achieve as much as I think that this idea can accomplish, really. Yeah. It's, I would agree. it's just kind of lazy. And I don't I don't think it's bad. I wouldn't show this to anybody, but I don't think it's it's critically flawed to a point where I'd give it a two. So I'm I'm happy I, I would give it a week three. It's kind of a week average episode, I guess.
1: Yeah. I think I'm gonna go with a two. Sure.
0: I can see the argument I, for it too on my system, anyway. Where there is a, there is a flaw here that's holding it back from being competent in some ways.
1: Yeah, like it's not terrible. It's it's it's. I think I think I'm I'm taking more points off because I feel like there's a lot left on the table. Yep. Um, and you know I I hate to say this because I understand how very difficult writing anything is, let alone a television show. But it just feels kind of first drafty to me. Yes. Um. Yeah, it's too bad they couldn't couldn't do a little bit uh, stuff that was a little bit more interesting and uh, I mean, I don't know. 'Cause it, it looks it looks great. Like Roxanne Dawson does a great job. Uh Billingsley's good in it. The dog is great. Uh
0: um, I thought we got a, a better view of the ship than in any other episode we've seen to yeah. this part. Like I saw I saw angles of the ship that we just haven't seen. It made it feel like a place in a way that the show has not really done to this point. Yeah.
1: It actually, you know what it reminded me of was uh, the beginning of, I don't know if you remember the beginning of Prometheus, that is just, it's uh, uh F- My- Michael Fassbender's David going, just basically doing his rounds on the ship while everybody else is in stasis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it had that kind of feel to it, uh, which I, I liked at the start, but then once, you know, it didn't really, it just kind of went the most um, expected way that it could go, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, I saw that.
0: I I think it's to Paul. I'll go. That'll be my final thought of it. I think to Paul, and this was just a bad idea to do. Mm -hmm. It didn't add anything. It it ruined the. I wouldn't have even thought this was a great twist if I didn't see it coming because I don't know what the twist serves. Like someone, one of the patrons mentioned Sixth Sense, but the Sixth Sense twist is completely built upon what the character's been struggling with the entire episode. This this has nothing to do with anything. It's just a thing that happens.
1: Yeah, it's it's literally just another th- another turn to put in at the end of the story, and like it's 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 one of those things where it's like you can't not see it coming because so little actually happens with Tepal, right? That like uh, of any sort of consequence that you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop on what's going on there because something doesn't feel narratively right. Yeah, and so it's like, well, what are the pieces at play here? Oh, she must be fake. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, listeners. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. This was
0: Doctor's Orders. I give it a three. Clay gives it a two. Star Trek's continuing. Patreon.com slash The Penske if you want to support the show. All that stuff. We had some live streams up. You can check out the YouTube channel. Uh, There's some random video topics that have gone on. We had a stream the other day where we talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and that's it, I guess. Otherwise, things continue as normal. Join the Discord if you're so interested in talking uh, to other other fans of these shows and general pop culture stuff in general, because that's in there as well. Um, I don't think there's anything else. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Any other shows? You've got shows
1: coming out? We've got, uh, at this point, I think uh, Invisible Man will definitely be out. Invisible Man from 2020 from uh, Rotten Horror Picture Show uh we'll we'll be working on this month on the patreon friday the 13th coverage we'll have friday the 13th part six yep. coming out i um, think audition again, is actually going to be out because it's it, two, audition two, two will weeks be out from yeah. now yeah audition came out yesterday if we if you're on schedule audition from rotten heart picture show we've got uh so at this that point double talk and you scratch my back should be coming out should be out from badass so we got a lot of stuff going to check out. Cool. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Perfect, perfect time to take a really long drive and just, you know, listen to nothing but one of our voices, <laughs> one or both of our voices <laughs> I feeding gonna- you hot takes <laughs> on multiple decades old media.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to, I don't know if that was a, a very subtle tie into this episode. I thought you were going to say, just put everyone to sleep in your house. Pop this oh on. that
1: yeah, that's too. Yeah. I mean if if you if you guys have if anybody has kids and they need something to put them to sleep, I'm sure this would work perfectly. <laughs> we both have fairly soothing voices and <laughs> I can do kind of an ASMR thing every now and then if you'd like. Go do
0: sleep. Go do sleep. Guys, thank you very much hey, for listening. Hey. Kid.
1: <laughs> Shut up. Go to bed. Shut up. Go the fuck to
0: sleep. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Kill your parents. We will see you next time.